This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, everybody? It's Richie again, Post-America Podcast. Another one, a one-on-one episode until we get the guys back. They're under quarantine. So uh, we got today with us Justice from Trapped Under Ice, Angel Dust, many other acts, good friend of ours. We miss him. We haven't seen him in so long. What's up, Justice? What's up? How you doing? Good, man. Yo, the uh, the new stuff just came out, the new uh, Angel Dust stuff. Yeah, really exciting. And how, like, is it, is it is long enough out to be, like, any feedback from it? You're getting good stuff or what? Yeah. Uh, been – I guess it's a little different because I haven't, like, really been out and about. And it's not like I'm, like, running to the homies and they're like, hey, I like this shit or anything like that. You know? So, it's like I've just kind of been forced to be home and, and look at the internet more than I like to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, Twitter and, like, a uh, couple of reviews coming in and – you know, I'm guessing there'll be more reviews as it's been out for a while, but everything's been pretty positive. Like, uh, I think people really like it. I really like it. Uh, yeah, super catchy, really cool. And I was lucky cause you gave me a little, a little teaser a while ago. Right. And out of the songs that I heard, they were so different from each other, uh, like vibe wise. And that, that, that took me, that took me off guard. You know what I mean? Cause they're, it's all like the same amount of catchiness, but the, the vibes are different. You know, it's like from different places. Is this all you, or are you guys writing as a band or is this like basically uh, thing? So I think this was like, I always like write the foundation of everything we do. And we have, we've tried different processes for it. And this is kind of a, the first trial with uh, like a new process we've, we've had, yeah. which I think is actually working out really well and everybody likes it. But like I wrote a lot of stuff and I send it to everybody and they'll have notes. And then uh, for this particular situation, Dan flew in, the drummer, Daniel mm-hmm. Fang. And uh, we went and tracked with Rob Schnapp. I've been a fan of his production and engineering for a while. Uh, and the other guys were going to come in, but crazy life stuff was happening. This was like just, just before quarantine even. And so maybe crazy. early March or something? Uh, well, even before, before that, so I think it was in November, December, I believe. Oh, okay. Top of my head. I'm so bad with timelines. Ah, me too. Everything's a big blur to me, man. I don't man. give a fuck about that kind of shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love people are like, where are you going to be on, on this date on tour? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm going to be on tour. Like my mind is like a, a constant state of on tour or in the studio or like, I don't know, just doing whatever it is I like. The focus for me is what I'm going to be doing and never when am I going to be doing it. That's just how you got to be, man. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You're wasting yeah, your time man. with other people's shit. Yeah. Life's too short to be like counting days and I don't know, man. I just got to – I get I get overwhelmed thinking about time like that. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so me and Dan tracked everything and then uh, sent it to uh, – uh, Brendan and Pat and Jeff and they all had input and then uh, tracked things remotely actually um, uh, 
Pat and Brendan tracked some vocal stuff. Uh, yeah, how'd that go? Was that hard to do or, or, or just real smooth? Smooth. It was like the smoothest recording process of my life. Isn't this so awesome now? Like the way that the technology is just like, if you need something almost immediately, if the person on the other end is willing to do it, it doesn't matter where they are. It's incredible. Done. Yeah. I can't even imagine what kids are going to be doing in a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like right now it's like a wave of, there's so many kids that are just making weird songs in their bedroom and blowing up and becoming huge artists without any, you know, like real uh, investment or resources. They're just making something that's true to them in their room and technology allows for that to happen. So it's an interesting time. And Yeah. So how many great artists have we not been able to experience because the technology just at their time didn't give them the opportunity, right? Yeah, that, or just like even social politics, you know, like there's so many great artists before our time that, you know, uh, I'm like constantly discovering like black artists that were, you know, paving the way for what became rock and roll and, and, uh, oh, yeah, for sure, man. We're never really given the spotlight, you know? How about this technology in the future? You got, you know how a song pops in your head? Yeah. In, in the future, you got a little chip in your head and it's a recording <laughs> device and it records your ideas and then boom, you upload it onto something else. Somebody else could hear it. Or maybe you got a built-in speaker in, in, in your earlobe. You never know, right? I, I don't, this stuff, the way stuff is going, it's crazy. It is totally I don't, I don't want nobody hearing the, the, no, you wouldn't want to, but, in my head. <laughs> but if you get a good one and it's up to you to show them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, listen, if a scientist is listening, feel free to do it. I'm not going to sue you. You know, if you could do the, the uh, fucking technology, do it. But it's with this same. stuff, who put it out? Who's putting this out? It's Roadrunner. And what format? Just everything? Uh, so, you know, they're doing the digital. Uh, we're going to do a very limited cassette tape on Potwig. And Roadrunner is real cool about... You know, they know that we're involved with our label that we run and uh, they like, you know, always are really into the idea of like doing things to support and have us, you know. So you think like exclusive, exclusive stuff to push it, other formats? Yeah, just doing, uh, it's going to be real limited. Uh, I think any, like maybe any like. vinyl options? No, no plans for vinyl options, but, you know, uh, potentially these songs, we're going to, we're going to. I don't think these songs are going to disappear. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they could maybe pop up on something, some somewhere later, you know, cool. maybe on a record or maybe, I don't know. That's really cool, man. It's kind of cool. Like, and, and how many songs is there? Four? Uh, three songs on the three. CP. That's, that's kind of a, a totally crazy way to work it. Like, you know what I mean? Did you just tell Roadrunner, I just want to put out three songs and, and that's it. Don't bother me. Cause wouldn't they normally want like a, the next album or something like that? No, nah, I think they're really into the idea of like, you know, this is like the, the, that's how music is. I don't want to even say future. Like currently it's how music is. Like you look at a lot of artists, there's like, especially like when it comes to hip hop and like SoundCloud world, there's like dropping songs like every week, even, you know, like people just yeah. drop little EPs, little singles here. And then uh, eventually you look at their, the record some of those songs pop up on the record down the road when it comes out and uh like in the jumping point when we were like establishing what our relationship would be with roadrunner that was like a big talking point is i just want like the ability to release more music and not have any like committed idea of what that means exactly like 
so our contracts with like like we need three album a three album uh, deal xyz and here are the numbers is that like a thing of the past now uh i mean those factors definitely appear on a contract but it's just different man like uh the music industry is evolving so rapidly uh i can yeah i, f- I feel like specifically with, with contract stuff uh yeah. it's it's confusing for sure <laughs> definitely uh i like i like having a contract you know i mean i think that's like an important thing for the artist and for the label and you know we've never done that with potwig just because uh we've never really gotten to anything that i think demanded that but uh i think uh people are like especially in our community in hardcore and punk rock people are freaked out by the contract i think it's a contract's a really good thing you shouldn't be freaked out by it you should take it seriously that's my look at it you know we went over it with our lawyer for shit i feel like must spent like a a year like going over negotiating and understanding the contract uh and there's a lot of stuff written into it that's um allows room for the evolution of the music industry yeah i guess you got to now because yeah as far as physical units making money it's kind of uh a thing of the past. You need a new format, a new idea. Yeah, it's interesting. I always think of that like with like billboard shit. Like I see people announcing like, oh yeah, we sold like 100,000 records or whatever. And in context, m- more times than not, somebody's saying that that means that they have like some, so much streaming that equates to so many albums on top of uh, physical albums. But uh, like, people, I mean, I mean, there's artists that sell physical albums, obviously. We make physical albums and bands. We work with Popwig. That's Popwig's thing. We make vinyl, you know, yeah. for the most part. And uh, and Popwig is your record label for anybody who doesn't know. Oh, yeah. It's Popwig, uh, baby. With me and Brendan and Dan that playing Angel Dust with me and Turnstile. And, and what's, on, what's on the Popwig front? Any new acts you got? Uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff happening right now. It's, it's like a really kind of sad time because, and, you know, this is everybody has a lot of – a lot to lose with the COVID thing going on. So I I hate to sound like I'm like uh, complaining, but uh, just the reality of our situation is that like a lot of really good artists that we've been working with or like planning to work with kind of had a lot planned for this time frame that didn't make sense to release music during the COVID COVID pandemic. And and we don't know when that's going to stop, but, uh, or when it's going to be, uh, like live music is going to be accessible or when bands can tour or do promotion stuff. But uh, right now we just put out an album for our friends and my roommate actually plays in the band. They're called Public Eye. Um, really interesting rock band. And so we just put that up for pre-order. It's not out yet. Put up for pre-order and uh, the album's really cool. It's, uh, people are checking it out. Public um, Eye. Yeah, really cool band. Yo, so you turned, you, you made music your your whole life it's your social life it's your livelihood it's the stuff you do when you want to kill time it's uh like how did that come about did you ever like because you know of course i know you forever now and uh of course you know we always loved uh trapped under ice and put out great stuff and then but this stuff is like this is a whole it's music but it's a whole different alley than a trapped under ice style band Mm -hmm. and uh like like this kind of stuff now, did, were you always a fan of this sort of music, 
even back in those days? Or is this something you grew into and you started just uh, appreciating it more? Yeah, I've, I've always been a, a fan of of just rock music, guitar music, pop music. And I think that was like a big thing that separated Trapped Under Ice from a lot of bands is that like we were like willing to dip into our pop influences while we all love extreme music, hardcore, punk rock, and metal. We were like, why can't we pull something from the fucking... I don't fucking know, like the Soundgarden track or like the fucking Prince track even. Bro. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. the fucking the, the Mob Deep like timing Ooh, reference my. or whatever. You know, like yeah. Uh, I think a lot of hardcore fans. They obviously, there's exceptions, but they just don't they. Yeah, for sure, and and that's not a bad thing. Like I love the culture of hardcore music. I love the history of it. I love when I hear a band and it it tells that story. You know, mm-hmm. literally, I can I I. I I can see the band and hear the story of, of the birth of hardcore music and, and, you know, like, and the city where it came from and who their influences are. I think that's fun. Uh, and I, and I do projects like that, but at the same time, like you said, music's my life because I have like a creative itch to always try to like step outside of what I'm doing and try something different. And, uh, you know, and that stuff's influenced too. like rock music all come from somewhere. Uh, and I guess for me, I think there's an art to like trying to recreate your influences and hide them. And it's like a fun little game. Mm, and yeah. then at some point somebody says, Oh shit, I really hear this in the thing that you made. And for me, I'm always like, Oh yeah, you won the game. Now I'm going to move on and do something different. You know yeah, what I mean? I know exactly. I mean, that is a cool thing. I love if I hear a band and I think like, this is a little bit like vibe X or whatever thinking like, wow like why are they even that's that's crazy and half the time i'm wrong but if i ever get to confirm it if i'm right yeah i feel like good about myself like that i picked it out and they, they're always <laughs> excited about it but what's young baby justice walking around baltimore what's he listening to like what what's the foundation uh hmm. so i guess you know i grew up on a lot of stuff that people from my era did people my age like radio music, hip hop, uh, you know, Nirvana was like the biggest band in the world growing up. And I always say like guitar players, uh, my age, if you're like 30 years old to like 30, if you're like 30 to 40 basically, and you play guitar, I want to say that your influences are more than likely going to be either Nirvana or Metallica. And you're going to play a certain way that says that I'm a Nirvana fan or a Metallica fan. I'm, I'm a fan of both, yeah. but Nirvana was the band that, that decided how I was going to play guitar and what guitar meant to me. Yeah. And even As what way. tone you prefer. And yeah. Yeah. Even the guitars that I play to this day, it's kind of funny to think about that, but yeah, the, even the guitars that I play, like, uh, and Sam Trapkin from Trapped Under Ice, he was a Metallica guitar player. You know, also was a fan of Nirvana, but the way he plays is Metallica side, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, is, is the name of the band Trapped Under Ice is that reference to the Metallica song so, so at the time we didn't consciously we weren't like hey we're going to be named after the Metallica song but we like named it picked the name I think we put it on a flyer and then somebody was like oh man like love love Metallica can't wait to see this mm-hmm. and I was like why would they say that I don't even get it and then Sam oh, was like shit, oh okay. it's Metallica song. yeah yeah I always wondered that that would have been a good thing yeah but this group, I don't know, like a lot of, a lot of shit, like a lot of hip hop, you know what I mean? Like where I was and the radio I was listening to and stuff like that. 92Q and, and in Baltimore, it was like, I'd like fall asleep to 92Q every night and be like, even uh, like Baltimore club even is something that 
That's unique Very, in the area, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like casually influences a lot of stuff I do in today. Like I, I like think about like the minimalism, the simplicity of Baltimore club music. Uh, and, and then I guess when I was like a teenager, my cousin, I had an older cousin named Burl and a couple of younger friends that were my age that were putting me on to like different hardcore things. Uh, like Youth of Today was one of the first hardcore bands I got into. Vision of Disorder, I was obsessed with them when I was a kid. Mm. And then Crown of Thorns, Madball, and then it just became an obsession with New York bands. And then as I became, because I was really young at that point when I was getting into that stuff, I was, uh, I guess, starting around 11, 12, once I saw Hey for the first time when I was like maybe 13. Uh, oh, and that's the show with, with, with y'all. Y'all played... Uh, uh, Out to Win oh. played that show. Oh, Out to Win. Yeah. Oh. Uh, like you guys and Death Threat were specifically were like very friendly with us. And like we just felt a part of it. And I always say that's the night where I was like, oh, this is who I am. Like I'm a hardcore fan. Like I'm a hardcore guy. That's what I do now. And since that was like me and my friends just making bad music in garages and trying to figure it out. And uh, But yeah, meanwhile, like I've always uh, – been in love with just rock and roll music and guitars. You know, my stepfather was putting a lot of like classic rock in my ears. And eventually I discovered Iggy pop and the Stooges. And that's, uh, I would say definitively my, my favorite really? artist. Yeah. That's very cool. And yo, you always, were you born in Baltimore? Yeah, I was born in, um, Franklin square hospital, which is in Baltimore County. And then lived in East Baltimore and Essex, which is uh, a town in, in Baltimore County for uh, all my teenage, like like young and teenage years until I was like, I guess we were like 17 or 18, moved to Baltimore City, maybe like 23, uh, 24, I started moving around a little more, moved to Richmond, lived in Atlanta for a year moved back to Richmond, moved to New York for a year and some change, back to Baltimore, and I've been in L.A. since. Damn, you like, uh, what do you call them dudes that jump on the trains and shit with that stick holding the bag? <laughs> a hobo, like a hobo. Uh, <laughs> is that what the word is? I forget. You're like, a, what are those dudes called? A hobo. Yeah. <laughs> All over the place, baby. I've been a hobo, man. Like, And that's kind of my vibe is like, honestly, like just being a hobo. Like, like touring kind of taught me. So, like, I grew up, like, not really having a lot. Like, I never had things, you know what I mean? Uh, not, like, you know, when I went to high school and stuff like that. Um, can't say I totally fit in. And I feel like... The family kind of broke or something? Just My family's been... Yeah, there's been, like, weird habits and stuff like that. My family and, uh, you know, single mother raising, raising some bad kids. And my nephew, my sister got pregnant when... She was really young, and she's the oldest. I'm the youngest. So I had a nephew that's that's basically my age growing up, and my mom was raising all of us. And my mom was kind of like an interesting person. She would take care of everybody in the neighborhood. She, like, kids in the neighborhood had a mother that had a habit, you know. She'd take yeah. them in and clean them up for school. they stay at her house. And it's always been like she's been taking care of everybody. So, yeah. like So, like, a lot of times when uh, I'd be, you know, she'd be working two to three jobs at a time, and she'd be gone. And I'd be at home with like the two Russian drug dealers that she adopted and like gave them a place to stay. And like, it's interesting, like a lot of, a lot of like my personal qualities that I feel like I've adopted as a person, I can like pinpoint all these like characters that I've had exist in my life, you know? 
Oh wow, that's that cool. Mom just raised the whole the whole straight street, you know. And she gave you the name Justice. Yeah, we all got weird names. Like uh, my my sister is London, uh, which is spelled not like the city. Uh-huh. And then my brother Jeremy, his if I if I if I believe, if I know if I, if I understand correctly, his it was one of his birth certificate when he was born was Jeremiah Weed, Jeremiah. like hyphenated. Wow. Yeah. I guess like a drink. It's like an alcoholic drink people used to drink, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then his name's Jeremy. I mean, we always called him Jeremy, but I believe when he was born, that was on his birth certificate. That's <laughs> and, uh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, she's almost kind of street a little bit. Oh, she's street for sure. She like grew up. My family's like, uh, like boxers. They all boxed. And my mom was, was a boxer. And uh, she's a tough woman. Like, I feel like I had friends be like, oh, mom's going to whoop my ass if I do this, you know, like, and they were probably referring to get spanked, but I'd be like, mom's going to put her hands up and box me like a grown ass man. If I oh, fuck shit. up. You know? And you have, any, you have any experience with your real father or not? Yeah. Uh, he was around a little bit when I was a kid, like my mom and him were like getting into it a lot. And he was like pretty abusive, rough person. Uh, and then when I was like a teenager, I think I was 19, I was like, I want to get to know my dad. I don't really know him like that. So I went and hung out with him for a day, and I was like, I don't need to talk to this man ever again. He's terrible. He's like a rough dude. Oh, really? Uh, Shit. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the last time I saw him, he didn't recognize me. He didn't know who I was. And I was like talking to him. He was like felt threatened kind of. And I could tell he like started like – kind of posture up a little bit and start talking some shit. Wow. That's fucking heartbreaking. Jeez. He didn't know, what, didn't know what it was. He thought I was like some dude that was like in his business, you know? And I was like, yeah. and he asked my brother, he said, who's this guy? Uh, and he's like, that's justice. That's your son. He's like, what? Oh shit. Okay. Well, it turned out he had dementia. We didn't know it at the time. And then he passed away. Uh, but it's weird. It's like, uh, he passed away like, it's like, I guess like two, three years ago now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm lying. He he passed away right when we were going in to record the last Angel Dust record, and we, you know, planned a studio time. And I was like, my family was like, "Would you like to come to the funeral?" And it's interesting. I think people thought that I was salty. Like people were like, "Oh, you don't have to be bitter. Don't blame him." I'm like, I'm not blaming. Any, I'm not mad at the guy. Like, like I just, I'm gonna go record my record. I'm not going to the funeral. I'm not flying out of my way because, like, let's let's be real. It's like I have no ill feelings towards this this man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You don't owe me nothing, you know? Uh, like, I had a stepfather that stepped in and, and, and was a great man, you know? But uh, to have, for me to, like, like put any kind of, to pump the brakes on what I'm doing with my life and, and not go record the record that I've been working on or something like that for somebody who didn't have the time for me, that's not going to happen. I'm never going to do that with my time, you know? Yeah, and you're not, uh, not going out of any animosity it's just I, this is what i do like, yeah no animosity man it's like i can only imagine his upbringing led him to the point where uh you know he he couldn't be a good father he couldn't be a good good example and i can't hold it against him you know yeah. uh like i said i was like very fortunate that my my, my mother i keep saying like i said but you didn't get to sorry uh my mother and my my stepfather uh pulled me out of it and did the best they could and i think they were very good uh, adult figures in my life, you know. Yeah, and what's your mom think of all this stuff now? She's excited about it, or she's uh, she, she telling her what's up? 
she likes it. Like, uh, she like came to see Trapped in Rice a couple times and definitely did not love that. You know, uh, she came to see Trapped Under Ice and Terror play at Sonar when that was a, a venue, and it was like a huge brawl broke out and oh uh, shit, right in front of her. Yeah, Death Before Dishonor was there. I remember she like she had met members of Death Before Dishonor, and she's like, "Oh my god, your friends are such nice people." There's something I'm like. Mom has no idea, like what what kind of psychos we're with right now, you know. Yeah, uh, right. But between them and Tara, like and like, you know, it, I thought it was really cool. Why I like hung out with my mom. I was real sweet to my mom. But then, you know, we're playing this big brawl breaks out, and it was nasty. It was actually kind of crazy. There was like a lot of blood, and uh, she was she didn't love it. But again, like I said, mom kind of a little bit of a street woman, so she wasn't like that surprised or like you know she wasn't yeah, too yeah. surprised. That's dope, though, man. That she she's able to see this, see what you're doing, make it yeah. yourself. Yeah, she she definitely uh, she came saw Angel Dust. We did like an acoustic performance at uh, Soundgarden in Baltimore, and she pulled up to that and she loved it. Yeah, it her speed. Yeah, oh, for that's sure. awesome, man. How do you feel doing like compared to the Trapped Under Ice shows, uh, doing something like that in acoustic performance? Is oh, it the man. same thing? You got the same vibe, or you, you just go out and do it, or is it a totally different kind of feeling? So while, like I said, I've like always loved guitar music and a lot of like rock and roll influence things. Uh, I didn't come from that environment. You know what I mean? I didn't come from performing like that, you know, like mm -hmm. my, I've been like going to and being very active at like hardcore and punk shows since I was a kid, you know, like 12, 13 years old. Uh, so it definitely took a lot of adjusting. Like at first, like you get up on stage and you want to play bang my drum or something like that. And you're like, why aren't kids spin kicking each other? And ain't nobody got their nose broke or anything, you know? And like, yeah. as much as I don't want to see that all the time, your subconscious is like, does this mean I didn't do a good job? You know, like did I, did I perform badly? Did you Isn't know that like when you're in a hardcore band, if you're doing good, it's easy to confirm that you're doing good. And oh yeah. Maybe with the other uh, another kind of music, you could be doing great, but you're not actually sure. Yeah, uh, it's I, interesting. I can see that. Yeah, I hope that I'm doing great, but you know, like I just yeah. get up there and like it's it 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 took a little while, but it, you know, there came a point where it just feels different. It's a complete different experience, and you have to go into it knowing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to actually play music for people that want to hear the music, because I'll be real. Like if I'm at the Wisdom and Chains concert. And I'm going to jump off the stage. I don't give a fuck if you hit the wrong note or if Jotham forgets the lyrics because I'm going to sing them. You know what I mean? Like where somebody else is going to, you know, we all going to hold it down to yeah. team experience, you know? Uh, yeah. This is like this all is eyes on you. And the, like, it's like watching a movie almost. Like, you know, when you're watching a movie, yeah. you're jumping around and then, go, you know, like you're yeah. just folk hyper-focused on the movie. You'd be hyper-focused yeah. hyper on that band. I think, I think the simplest way to put it is like, uh, playing music in, in its essence is a performance. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I love that. It, and it's, like you said, like a, a movie, it's theatrical. Like it's a performance, playing music. Yeah. But what's significant about hardcore and punk is there's just zero performance. Like you're literally not performing. It's not that. Like you go up and you just, you just, you open up and you let yourself out and that's it. And uh, I think the real, the real geniuses are the artists that can somehow balance that, you know? Yeah. And have a little bit of both. There are some of those people too. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's deep. And how about Trapped Under Ice? Will it be, uh, will anything new ever come out? I'm sure you're going to play shows at some point. Well, if we yeah. ever play a show, but how about musically? Absolutely. Like stuff will come out. Uh, like right now is not, not like, like we're always like sending each other little ideas, but the gears aren't turning uh, in their full capacity right now. And who knows when that will be because uh, Sam is a, a new father and uh, everybody's kind of on a different wave right now, which I think is really cool and exciting. Like seeing everybody doing their, their own thing. And just like, I don't know. It's like when I met Jared and I'm sure if you think about when you met Jared, you would never think that man's going to be a firefighter, you know? No, that's crazy. Uh, I would think that man might not survive to see adulthood, <laughs> you know, like he's a psycho, but he's, uh, doing his thing. He's like, he's a firefighter. And, uh, I mean, Brendan with Turnstile, like none of us expect the Turnstile to blow up and on the level that they have, you know what I mean? And uh, the demand for Turnstile is so great. Yeah, uh, they're doing so good, man. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's awesome. It, it's funny when, when we were saying, when I was just saying the performance versus uh, kind of expressing yourself thing and, and having that balance, like that's the band that I think of where that's like the first band that comes to mind that like every member – is that you know what I mean they're yeah. all performing and just, and it's so genuine and when and he's, he's a really good front man no he kills it dude and he's a great drummer and a great guitar player uh yeah very talented dude man he does it yeah well. it's really interesting he actually like kind of started I mean he like would noodle around on guitar but he started like playing guitar to be an angel dust and then within like a couple months of that we were in the studio and he was like performing in the studio better than I can for the most part, you know? Wow. Uh, some yeah, people are just great. lucky with some shit, right? It gets yeah. Mad. Like the, the type of dudes, they, they pick up a football, they throw it at 100 yards right off the bat. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. But people just got the skills. Now yes. he's a talented guy and he's really, really cool. So Absolutely. I'm glad to see his band killing it. All you guys, the whole little, like the whole little circle, your whole little scene is now yeah. spread out and, you know, it caught fire. And this band's doing this. This guy went and he's doing that. You got yeah. the label and the band. It's, it's really cool to see. Cause, but I mean, the, uh, I've always loved Baltimore, but it was uh, a different kind of scene with the guys mm -hmm. that were like a, a generation maybe older than you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love those dudes. I love that scene. Like, that scene, like, inspired yeah, so, so much from me. Yeah. And uh, But it's cool. Like, I always knew that, like, there was things I wanted to do outside of that. You know what I mean? Like I love like, you know, when you go to the sidebar and it's a bunch of fucking drunk skinhead, ignorant motherfuckers, just like beating each other's ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I love that. Shit. I came up in that for sure. Like won't deny that for a second. You know what I mean? Like it's exhilarating. I get, I get off on that. Like I like when I hear stout, you know what I mean? It takes me to that place and I'm like eager to, to see that happen again. I would love to go see stout at the sidebar shit especially right now after covid shit you know what i mean that would be uh, dope yo who do you think is uh the most important band of that time for you anyway to come out of uh dude stout really i mean like i love next step up and i love good instinct and there's obviously a lot of other bands but th i think that's like the crown holders that's that's the the three hard. people think of uh um, I guess, 
Yeah, I mean, just Stout, like, actually, like, had such a unique sound. Like, I think mm-hmm. they were, like, one of those bands that, like, took the kind of guidelines of what other Baltimore bands were doing and just made something so special and significant. And they were accessible. They were, like, there at the show. You know what I'm saying? And, like, uh, next to up, too, I always thought it was so cool when Trapped Under A started. Like, I knew who these dudes were since I was pretty young and don't expect them to know who I, who I am. You know, I never, like, really – was a kid and like walk up, go pull on JR's shirt and be like, Hey man, I like next step up. You know, I was yeah, like yeah. too scared to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then like trapped and right start playing, you see JR in the crowd is wild now. And that's so cool to me, you know? That's a great feeling. I bet. Yeah. And that dude's still so active. I mean, and you know, I, I know, uh, not all of stout lives in Maryland at the time, but from what I know is like, everybody's still active involved that they, they, it's cool, man. Yeah, uh, tight-knit scene down there, man. It was always yeah. a cool scene. I like going down there. It wasn't that far, and just everybody was cool and, like, just yeah. a lot of, like, interaction, making the next move. While you're down there, you book the next show. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude says, hey, how about this? All right, dope. We're coming back in three, four months then. In, in Baltimore, it's always had so much love for, for wisdom. And, I mean, all the, all the nice bands. Us, yeah. yeah, they were very, very nice to us. I remember overhearing an argument where uh, it was like, I think it was at a back, like a backyard party. We were all chilling. I think, you know, people didn't know I was there at the time. And somebody was like, oh yeah, Trapped in the Rice, the best hardcore band. And it turned to a full blown screaming match of people screaming, whether it was Wisdom and Chains or whether it was Trapped in the Rice was the best hardcore band. Oh, and I'm like kind of around the corner listening. And I was like, how cool is it that the city where I'm from, and you know, these, these are my friends, but they're like so passionate about this. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And yo, that then that fight goes on with different with different band names in in every scene across the across the country and the world, man. It's a cool scene. Yeah, that's that is cool. <laughs> but yo, now now you know we talked about some music stuff. How about this? You're currently in California. Everything gets shut the fuck down. We think it's toning down. Next thing we know, riots break out all over the fucking place. Yeah. Then the riots slow down. Then the next thing we know, they're saying all the all the virus and COVID twenty seven or whatever is back up through the roof and people getting it again. It looks like another shutdown is gonna happen. Do you think or not? Oh, we're already in LA we're already on we already started the shutdown. We're already like moving things back. Uh I couldn't tell you exactly where we are now. I know a lot of things like there was like a weekend basically where I could get my haircut and I went and then like three days after I got my haircut, barbershop closed. You know, I'm like, how many places did it survive? Right? Barbershops, tattoo shops, like private businesses, like how the hell are they going to get through this? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I, I mean, a lot of them are not going to survive. A lot of venues I see closing down, which is like heartbreaking. Yeah. So uh, we were actually working on a U.S. tour that was booked and we were going to announce like right at the beginning of the lockdown. So my birthday is March 11th. And then I think the lockdown was the next day in Los Angeles mm-hmm. where they like, you know, announced it officially, everything shutting down. Um, and it was like supposed to be a couple of days after that, that we were going to announce our tour, uh, the U S tour and talk to our agents and everything. They're like, let's move the tour. We'll move it for i forget what month at the time it was like september or something i'm like all right cool sounds good so uh you know like a month goes by they start like hammering down dates 
and some of the venues are no longer available. Uh, not because they're booked up, but because just a couple of them, but because they were they no longer. Yeah. Wow. So we like confirmed as much as we could. And then maybe a month afterwards, we were like, Oh shit, like this is getting worse. Some of those venues are closing. So we scrapped the idea, wait a couple weeks and then we get, we all get back together. All right. We got the idea. We got this U S tour. December is going to be it. And in the back of my mind, I think there was just a lot of optimism. People really wanted it to work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, December is the move. We got, we want to do it in December. So they start replanning the tour for December. Well, I'm going to say half the venues we had planned the first two times we booked the tour are no longer available. So get a little bit into booking that. And then, uh, realize that's not going to happen. So now we're looking at, you know, the future and seeing, I think what, what could be cool about it. And like, you know, there's very little that's cool about anything in the world right now. Like between COVID between, uh, the more public recognition of police brutality and specifically for people of color, black people and indigenous people, uh, there's not a whole lot that's bright right now. And I'm always trying to be like a bright side person, you know? Yeah. Uh, big guy. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, I, like I, I do think that, uh, COVID like created an opportunity where the whole world had to pump the brakes and had to just like sit at home and have to actually just look at the world. And you have people who are like looking at things differently now. And that's why you have a lot of like, I don't know. You have like a lot of like pro Trump type people who are looking into like, I feel like they're almost just making up conspiracies to justify the way they feel sometimes. Like but everybody's on some conspiracy shit right now. You conspiracies know? are ruling. Conspiracies like, are crazy right now. Yo, I went to Tom Hanks Instagram and uh, like he stopped his comments on the more recent pictures. But if you go back uh, to pictures where he had comments up, it is flooded with people calling him a baby killer, a pedophile, that he drinks baby, oh. blood, that he eats babies, that he kidnaps children. It's flooded, like hundreds of thousands of comments on this guy's. Yes, off like some internet conspiracy theory. But people are just, that's it. They saw it. On, they saw it. YouTube, yeah. boom, that's it. This motherfucker's killing babies. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because there's so much data to like actually, there's, there's a lot, like I said, the world's fucked up. And there's so much data to tell us what's fucked up. Like you can just look at like the, the moves of the Trump administration, like how, you know, they just, they just, uh, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they basically cut off the CDC to regulate the information coming from the hospitals regarding COVID. And they want all hospital information to go directly to the Trump administration so they can detail it how they'd like. It's like, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you yeah. there's foul play. You know what I mean? I don't gotta, I don't gotta like theorize a conspiracy there. You don't have to there. For someone that supports Trump for some reason, they are addicted to justifying every move he makes. Oh, dude. When he does something that would normally make them go crazy if someone else did it, if he does it, they find a reason why he did it. And it's almost like a a, a made-up heroic reason. That's really He really did it because he wanted to expose X, Y, and Z. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, Thank well, God he grabbed about. that pussy. <laughs> I know. Why do you really do that? What was the secret behind that motherfucker? It's a fucking pervert. The guy's yeah. a fucking rat. And it's like, come on, for these people, like, who sweats politicians like this anymore? Like, 
Why yeah. are you riding Trump's dick like this? They, they, I, they call them Trump groupies. Like, dude, give me a fucking break. Like, who likes a politician like this that you're just going to die on that hill to defend yeah. him? Everybody is entitled to criticism. And that's one thing that really gets to me. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I liked... I liked Obama. I voted for Obama. You know what I mean? But I can criticize a lot of things he did and I'm not going to be offended when somebody's like, Hey man, Obama fucked up. I'd be like, yeah, man, like for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think any, anybody, yeah, if you were, if you were like dogging Obama right now, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Well, tell me what he did. What do you think he did? I wouldn't be like, no way, dude. What about he's a, a, a patriot? Come on, I'm not going to get upset <laughs> over you dissing some politician spoon fed rich boy, trust fund, baby politician. You get, and he's like, like hardworking men around the country and they're yeah. dedicated to defending this guy that would look down upon them with disgust in almost yeah. any other circumstances. Strange, crazy man. Crazy people. It's, come on, justice. What the fuck is wrong with this world? You lived <laughs> in Germany for a minute, didn't you? Yeah, well, on and off, you know. Uh, you I left your saying- own fucking country. <laughs> yeah. No wonder you're talking like this. Uh, Germany I mean, though, right? I love it, man. I love Germany. It's a great country. And, yeah, it's so dope. Uh, Berlin mainly? Yeah, in Berlin. And I'd stay in different cities with uh, my – she's my ex-girlfriend at this point, but uh, a good friend nonetheless, my friend Danny. Listen, once uh, it's over, you got to move on. There's no friendship. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. I, I, actually, like, not that we're, like, super close, but it's nice to have, like, have somebody like that that you spent – I think it's so normalized to like you, you leave a relationship and you got to pretend like the last couple of years didn't happen and you hate this person and all this shit. It's like yeah. so refreshing to just be like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? And you know, yeah. uh, not that. Yeah, definitely. And yo, how about that burger joint we hit in Berlin? Remember that? What is that spot called? I love the spot. I think what it's is called it? Kaiser burger. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You sound <laughs> like I'm making shit up cause I do make up goofy shit, but I think that's really <laughs> name. But yo, that joint is good. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a lot of good food in Berlin. It's crazy. Yeah, and a lot of good food that I can actually eat because I'm allergic to everything. Like, I'm, like, fucked up. Really? Since. Yeah. No wonder you stay slim so easy, goddammit. Oh, yeah. I, do, I actually remember this, too. I remember I was in Japan, and I was having a lot of allergies to things, mm. and I, like, couldn't digest anything. I remember you, I posted a photo, and at the time, I remember thinking, like, I looked fine. But I was in Japan for so long, I had lost like 30 pounds and didn't realize it. Holy and shit. You messaged me and you were like, yo, you good? Everything all right, man? And I was like, yeah, what's good? Like, what's going on? You were like, come on, man, you can talk to me. You know? <laughs> I was like, I must just... have thought young brother had the hiv or something. <laughs> yeah. Damn. He was really concerned. And I was like, why is he so concerned? And then I got home and got on a scale and I was like, oh my God. Like, I lost 30, 30 pounds. Serious. That's a serious weight. Yeah. Yo, you know what I always hit in Berlin? The Ramones Museum every time. Dude, I've never been. You're crazy. It's right well, by Kaiser my favorite bands. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's really cool. It's real dope. I love that city. It's such a it's such a musical city, man, and like just raw. Maybe not the best weather, you know, but it's yeah. It's just it's 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 it's, it's dirty enough that I like it because I always like the grimy spots, you know. Mm-hmm. Could always catch a drunk dude on the street, you know, breaking a bottle. It's it's a it's got a good life to it. I like I like I like Berlin. I always thought it was interesting, like, Berlin's such a, a huge cultural city, and, like, there's a lot of people, obviously, it's a lot of, a big population, lots of different kinds of people, and uh, the culture of, like, hardcore and punk is, is so interesting. Like, first off, it might be the most punk city I've ever been to in my life, off yeah. time. 
Definitely. Like everybody's a punk. And I'm not talking about like here where like, you know, like in America you have like pop stars that just say they're punk and all of a sudden now they're like Ariana Grande is like, I'm a punk. And people are like, yeah, for sure. That's what punk is now. In context of Berlin, it's a, it's like such an authentic punk city, like where every individual, like you have people there like 60 years old, like with big mohawks, missing teeth, just living, whole face tattooed up, just like been a punk since always, never not lived in a squat, never not got food out the dumpster, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, it's like different and like hardcore scene. There's like a big hardcore scene. But do you feel like in Berlin, it's almost like not acceptable to mosh? Yeah, Is they don't get they don't get as crazy as you would think because it has so many shows and so many bands are coming through and it's, it's so many venues that you think like just the culture of the place would be people bug out at shows. But yeah, they're a little more reserved than I would think. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I think German culture is kind of like, in general, people are quieter and more reserved. Yeah. Uh, I and I didn't. With Belgium, too. They're like very kind of, yeah, know, a little more in the pocket. And then you go like Eastern Europe and then people bug out more. Poland, those type of places. Uh, they're, they're, they're loud. The Polish are loud. They, they're down to scream and yell and make a scene. Yeah. Uh, in you Germany, know, I. Was that in, uh, in Germany where we had to, where we had to, push those guys heads back outside of the tour bus at one time mm-hmm. <laughs> it was berlin on um, uh yeah it was it was holy shit wow see that that's we do, crazy we do things everywhere <laughs> it was it was mandatory though it was definitely not a situation we incited you know uh, that's, no no we didn't <laughs> we, we don't start shit they definitely started so i forget what they yeah did. they did something. we were we were in the bus and uh they it was like a, you know, one of the bigger tours with shared buses and they threw a street sign against the bus, against the window. And we came out and we were like, Hey man, like what's good? Are y'all all right? Cause my first instinct was maybe they were like in trouble or something, you know? Mm. Hey man, you all right? And the dude spit at me. That's if I'm not mistaken, he spit at me, but it missed and it missed me. And like, I like dodged it and it hit Sam right in the face. Oh, and, uh, Sam's a tough dude, but he's also a dude that doesn't like germs. So he was really upset and then uh, just uh, kind of got into it. And then my man Richie flew around the, the side of the bus and backed it up. And You know how we do. Come on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were on a different bus, actually. But me and Mad Joe was, like, chilling out outside. And, and this was popping off in front of your bus. But I yeah. And I remember you guys walked out and he did or said something to you guys. But, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah. Berlin. Yeah, Berlin is cool. Shit, you miss Love doing this. those kind of tours, man. Those those uh trapped under ice tours. Oh yeah, dude. I like I said, man. Like I I know that every individual in the band agrees fully that we all love trapped under ice and like doing trapped under ice, like doing the tours we like having the opportunity to tour with bands that I grew up loving and like. Uh, it's interesting. I always talk about like. Hardcore is interesting because you're a kid, you grow up idolizing people a little bit. Like it's a different type of idolizing. I feel like it's like a, not like a celebrity or something like that. It's like some, somebody you can just go talk to and look up to almost like a, like a weird father figure, or big brother or something like at the hardcore show where yeah. I always think it's funny in Europe, like hard, like people in Europe always tell me like, it's it, this is like almost like the quote people always tell me in Europe, like they grew up with Freddie Madball. And at first I was like, why are they lying? It's like a weird thing to lie. And then I realized what they're talking about. I was like, culturally they grew up with Freddie Madball. Yeah, that's a cool thing. That's really cool. Hell yeah. Uh, and I and like I feel like 
that on some level. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, for me, it was like more like, like you guys and death threat were more bands that kind of like opened me up to a lot of shit. So in my head, I was like, man, I grew up with Richie crutch. You know what I mean? Like, Oh uh, shit. Yeah. That's, that's dope, man. Yeah. You're <laughs> right though. Yeah. Hardcore is like, it, it's, it's really unique, you know? Yeah. There's it, it, something special about it. It is cool. And that, that, that trapped under ice album, like the last full length. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to hear another full length. You know what I mean? Oh, you're talking about, uh, Big Kiss Goodnight or Heat Wave? Yes. yes. Big Kiss Goodnight, yeah. The other one, so was, we, the, the last stuff was, was how many songs? It's a, it's a full length. It's, a sh- it's like the shortest full length of all time, though. It's like, uh, what is it? I think I it's was, I was 11 songs. Like, a, like an EP. Oh, was yeah. it 11 songs? Okay. It's like 11 songs in 10 minutes, though. Yeah, that's what it is, then. So. Yeah, that's like, that's like, yeah, that, and, and it's dope. That's dope. Yeah. But it's not like, the, like you know, that, that one that album before it was like, like a full length, like, yeah, like master of puppets full length. Like it was, that was like, we sat down and worked on that shit as a band for, yeah. Like and it's good when you have straight. the option to do that. Right. When you, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, I love like, you guys wave. to sit in a room and fucking make another one like that. Yeah, dude, I agree. Like heat wave was like a, a interesting thing. Like, uh, so we, you know, like, like I said, we had time to like sit in a room together for, you know, two years maybe mm-hmm. and work on big kiss Goodnight every day. And like I said, there's a dynamic between me and Sam. He grew up on Metallica. I grew up on Nirvana. And then the way we play guitar shows that. And I think uh, that's, that's what's cool about Trapped in Rice. And like everybody else has an influence too. Me and Sam are like the, the more predominant writers, but everybody has influence. And I think it pulls it out into like a broad spectrum of sound. Uh, with Heatwave, we were all set on the idea we wanted to do a record. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of that time to grind out and stuff. And I think, I've always had a vision of doing more a record that was just more my style and short songs and like fast and like it'd be like a fun thing that Trapped and Rice never did. And uh, they kind of granted me more leeway than usual on Heatwave. So it was like kind of more of my vision, but definitely don't want to take away from the fact that everybody had very valuable input on the record. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, put it out and it actually is the most successful record the Trapped and Race has done uh, as far as like record sales or whatever. And, oh, you know, there's a lot great. of things that uh, I'm sure like attributed to that. But like ultimately it's like, no, it's not like a typical Trapped and Race record. I don't think any Trapped and Race record is typical of no, not, something not else we did, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I was like, this is a fun thing we can do right now. For me, what, I, what I've been telling Sam, pushing Sam a lot the more. And again, like I said, he's a, he's a, a new father. So, uh, I'm like, yo, when we do this next record, I want that to be the Sam record where we have that balance of like me and Sam's ideas meeting in the middle and heat wave was my, more my vision, more my, more my direction. I want the record where Sam just goes off and does his crazy Sam shit. And Sam's the one who like does a lot of things that I think people identify more with trapped and race, even like the more aggressive stuff, the more aggressive nature that's uh, kind of out of his head a little bit yeah i think anything i write that's truly like heavy is me trying to do what sam does which i can't do nearly as well as sam does you know he's a he's a, a brilliant mind when it comes to man you gassing up sam, music. Son. dude i i get i just sit in my room and gas sam up sometimes like uh M-A. yeah <laughs> he's he's incredible that's, uh, dope. that's dope you guys got love said, for each other that's dope of course, yeah, and like, oh, but like I said, everybody in the band 
put something on it for sure. Like you couldn't change one part of the equation and like, and have that, have big kiss good night happen again. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't change one part of the equation and, and have trapped in rice still be trapped well, you in the probably throw me on rhythm guitar and still get that album come on throw me in we could throw a third guitar player in a mix that'd third be guitar. sick oh shit Grab grateful dead up there shit. <laughs> don't they got like mad guitar players probably i, I don't really know grateful dead like that like i, I, I know, know it's like kind of a wave right now people, like are fucking like. people on that shit is so crappy I can't <laughs> take that shit. it's just so crappy when i was like a, in high school people was bugging on Grateful Dead. And I was like, what is it? Yo, I remember my good homie one time, his first tattoo, he saw a tattoo magazine and he saw this skull. It was like really hard looking dope skull. And he took it down to the tattoo shop and the guy's like, this is what you want. He's like, yeah. And he tattooed him. And then we found out it was a Grateful Dead skull. And oh, yo, <laughs> we were breaking his balls forever on that shit. He must have been like one of the first people I ever known to get a cover up. Like he, he got <laughs> covered up. We were breaking him so hard. I was calling them uh, Cherry Garcia and everything like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, I can't take that hippie shit. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like such a wave. Uh, and I guess they still play with John Mayer playing guitar. Oh, yeah? Which is that's cool. I mean, that doing dude, stuff. That dude could play for sure. He's crazy. They could, they're, all, they're all like musicians. They, they could play, but it's kind of like. Yeah. Yo, I mean, he's just jamming out. You're not even like feeling like at this point, it's just they're so high. It don't even matter. You, you play a record backwards for them, you know, <laughs> but yo, when you were talking about hardcore scene and the bands, you grew up with the bands and you know, that you, you really loved and all of a sudden you're playing with them. Did you ever have like a band that really, maybe a member really disappointed you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like any, you'd be willing to mention or not really, you don't want to cause no trouble. Uh, yeah. I don't think, it's not like a diss and I don't feel like, uh, I don't feel like somebody, like, so, so we did a tour, like I said, Vision of Disorder was like one of the bands that made me be like, I like aggressive music, you know? Yeah. And they did a couple dates on 10 for 10. They played a couple shows before that. And I, cause they weren't a band for years and I went to all the shows they played before that. And then they played 10 for 10 and I was like, this is the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. I can't wait. We're going to play with Vision. I grew up like, I used to draw this dude's tattoos on myself when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to have dreadlocks. I used to have oh. dreadlocks. Yeah, and that was like the reason why. It was like I was like that fool's got dreads. I want dreads, and then they call you Justice like, Williams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they're on the tour, and like I was like uh, really excited to meet everybody. And a couple of them were like friendly, not like nobody owes you anything. Nobody's got to fucking suck my dick or some shit because I like their band. You know what I mean? But just be say what's up. You know what I mean? And uh, I think Tim Williams specifically was literally rude like i can't be like yo what's up and he would just look at me like i was a piece of shit and get up and walk away or something like that and i was like wow. this is crazy Dang the drummer one day acknowledged it it was crazy like so he like kind of dissed me like that and the drummer's like yo i'm sorry about that man he just probably got a lot going on or something but i'm like i, I know life happens and shit like that but really you're on tour like you've been a band like for like five days out of the last couple of years you could say what's up to the other band you're on tour with like you're like vision disorder is really not popping that hard to where you, you, you know what I mean? Like trying to like sun bands you're on tour with, you know what I mean? Yeah. That uh, is fucked up, man. Yeah. He's always been kind of, I don't know. I mean, I know him a little bit. I was friendly with some other dudes in that band, but he's always been kind of had a creep vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, one, one of the other dudes, uh, threw him a fucking beating. You, you yeah. Baltimore is going to show long Island. How we, how we do shit. 
nah, I still, I still, you know, I can listen to the tracks and appreciate it. It's not like I'm like, it's not beef. Yeah. I'm just like, that's not really cool, man. Like, I don't know. Like you got, like I said, you got to think like you're singing to like, these are songs written for people that didn't have normal lives. And they have a very, you know, a lot of cases they have unique lives that relate to yours and they admire you. They look up to you and like you're a saving grace for them a lot of times, you know? I forget that shit because I'll have kids come talk to me and it weirds me out sometimes. Like I've had kids say really weird shit like, hey, bro, like you got me through some shit. I tried to kill myself. I did this. I did this. You know, like my baby mama. I'm like, okay, man, I can't do it. But then I got to remember it's like, yo, this kid doesn't have anybody. Like he thinks like he really knows me. And on some way he does like because I'm talking to him about shit in my music that – my mom doesn't know about and you know like nobody around me i'm not going to live my day to day and talking that in depth about myself so yeah they 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 relate to me and they understand me a little better so you know i try to give everybody a time of day and stuff uh yeah no you're completely right man that's kind of fun yeah i one time a kid came up to me on tour he's like yo you have any advice for like a younger band and i said yeah stay the fuck out of our way <laughs> No, I didn't say that. Come on. I like, I like pretending. I know you didn't say that. <laughs> Imagine if you did that, though, and somebody said that to you. I'd be kind of like, man, I don't like that he said that, but that's pretty fucking hard. Yeah, I would think it was hard. If, but if somebody came to me and told me, Richie Crutch told me this, hell no, he did not tell you that. I wouldn't believe that for a second. Nah, I wouldn't do that. Come on, that's fucked up. <laughs> I like having fun and being nice, you know what I mean? But, yeah, of course. Of course. But uh, And you do, too. You're, always, you're good to everybody. You're always hanging out. I try to be, man. I definitely, you know, I, I'm, I'm human and I've like definitely not had the energy for it sometimes. And, uh, that's, that's everybody in the world. You, you only have so much mental energy in the day. And I'm kind of an introvert and I think people expect you to not be, I think people sometimes expect me to be like hosting the party or something. Yeah. You know, Especially, that's what uh, Vogel said. I just, I interviewed him like, uh, the other day. And yeah. You know, it's, it's catching up to me because, I know people and have friends everywhere we go and everywhere we go, it's like, it's their night out. So I want to stay up with them and drink with them and have fun with them. But I can't do it anymore. I can't do it every night. It's killing me. I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know, and you feel bad. Like, you know, you're going to a city you haven't been into in like a year, year and a half, and you're going to see Charlie or whoever. And all of a sudden, Charlie and I'm going to go to a hotel and, (laughs) you know, especially Scott, man, he's like, I think an animal. he's like the, the, the name that people associate most with hardcore. I feel like he's like one of those people that like, uh, he's, he's a definition, like the way he looks, the way he yeah. acts. He's like, cause hardcore dude is not really supposed to visually stand out, fashionably stand out. It's supposed to be like, Oh, these like regular motherfuckers kind of doing. And then you got Vogel and he's like that dude. Yeah. He's he, yeah. And maybe nobody loves hardcore more than that guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. I've yeah. uh, seen him in scenarios where I'm surprised about how defensive he is. And I don't mean this in a negative way. Uh, like, very defensive. I mean, like, that's, like, his thing. Like, you, like, literally read the lyrics. Like, keepers of the faith. He's literally saying, like, yeah. I'm a defensive man about hardcore, bro. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. Oh, if you say you don't like a certain band he likes, he's, like, perfect. It's over, dude. Yeah, beef, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you don't like Utah today? What? Yeah. Like, oh, chill out, bro. Come on. Give me a break. I think uh, it's like I've been kind of maybe fortunate, maybe not. I don't know. Like in the fact that hardcore is definitely something I love a lot. But I, you know, obviously I like do Angel Dust and Popwig and whatever it is. I like fashion things. I like this and that and the other. So mm-hmm. people, I'm not like 
hardcore. I don't think nobody's looking at me being like, justice is the definition of hardcore, you know? Uh, I mean, so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't get viewed in that same light and people kind of don't expect me to be the hardcore guy as much as somebody like Scott Vogel. Cause when that dude's at the hardcore show, I feel like you probably got to hide. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you bring up a, some random demo, he might be, get so excited about it. Like, yeah, he just, he knows his shit. Yeah. I'm like the type of dude, like, like five bands, like the same five bands. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's ignorant, but it's very hard. Mm-hmm to get into new stuff for me. Yeah. I, if I don't like it immediately, I can't, it doesn't grow on me and I'd never hear it again. I don't play it again. I don't watch him again. Mm-hmm. And uh, like with our singer, Joe, you know, you know, Joe, he, he hears something. He's like, oh, I don't know. He'll listen to a 10, 15, 20, and then he'd be like, yo, this is great. <laughs> it's just, that's a better way of doing things. So I wish I could do stuff like that, but it's kind of like, if it didn't hit me right away, I'm kind of like, ah, yeah, it's not my thing. Next, get next. Yeah, I take in so much music that I like, I have to be able to hear it and know the difference right away. I have to be able to say, okay, uh, the, the vocals are different, the guitar tone is different, the whole sound, the tempo, yeah. whatever. It's got to be something that grabs me and helps you to recognize. Because if for one second I think that it's something else, if I can't identify what the band is, I lose interest, you know? Yeah, that's how I am. And it might be popping live, but then, you know, maybe I just, I'm not listening to it in my car and shit, you know? What I mean? Yeah. I think it's kind of the thing with a lot of like young people now. I think it's almost definitively what decides the success of a band or an artist. I've been like kind of using this reference for a lot of like industry people, but like people think a lot about songwriting and stuff like that. And I think songwriting is really important, but I think with young people, they don't know what songwriting even means for the most part. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like they grew up on, uh, I think like young people right now are just like really fed up with like, like uh formula you know they just like want new shit they want to hear something different they want to hear something mm-hmm. that sounds like they've never heard before yeah and those are the artists that kill it you know what i mean like and then if you can write songs too on top of that that's a great bonus but really like what sells music to the younger generation is they just want to hear something new like if it's you can call it rock and roll but if it's just guitars and drums and you're singing on it but you're not bringing anything new to the table they don't care you know like yeah uh like a lot of like the like goth boy click world and like little peep and stuff like that. And I think, you know, again, I think they're people who can write songs, but I think what people really love about that shit is like innovative and it sounds like nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, and they want something for as their own, like, you know, to claim. And this, this is, this is my scene. Like, I, like sometimes, you know, you don't want to have that in common with your parents. Like, you know, hey, yeah, of I, course. I, I love doo-wops as much as my dad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. kind of weird i'm involved in the doo-wop scene you want like <laughs> your unique thing and let's face it hardcore is getting a little old i think there'll always be room for hardcore just because the sound makes people go nuts and it's kind of like you could take you know the most primitive kids that don't even know how to play and they could come up with something that might be popping you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's just something some tone about it the kid's voice even though the guitars are a little out of tune it's just something can make it go so hardcore is a bad example but you know what i mean like yeah kid doesn't want to say i'm i'm i love rock and roll they want to be yeah. like they want to say the name of something you never heard of i love this and you're like what what the hell's that and then they yeah. feel good you know mm-hmm. i think there's examples of bands like in hardcore that are truly like doing something enough outside the box to where like they can keep the 
the uh, the nature of hardcore and be a hardcore band, but still so different, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, like I was saying earlier, like I genuinely love the history of hardcore. So when I hear certain time and place in a band doing something, you know, like if I see some band pop out of Baltimore that sounds like next step up to me, I'm going to love it, period, you know? Yeah. But uh, also really, like I said, I, I have that creative itch. I love hearing people just like, uh, like you take like a band like, you know this band Soul Glow from Philly? Yeah. Uh, that does not sound like any hardcore band that I can reference, but I don't even know if they identify as a hardcore band, but you know, like that's definitively what hardcore music is to me. You know, it doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Like look at Criminal Instinct, like their formula for what they make, it's like it's definitively hardcore, but tell me what band sounds like that. I, yeah. I couldn't, you know, I've heard people try to make comparisons, but not yes. really. Sometimes you, you just say bands, but you don't really even mean it. Oh, they sound like this, but you're kind of lost for what it really, yeah. Yeah. Good examples. What other one? Any other ones popping? You, you feel like, like dope bands right now? As far as like bands just doing something different. I mean, there's a lot of bands I like for sure. Yeah. Uh, damn, I feel crazy. I feel like I like spend so much time just looking at new bands. Uh, you got to some pop wig, baby. Yeah. Well, you're music executive, son. I spend a lot of time looking at, at bands that aren't necessarily hardcore. Uh, but I'm trying to think of, of hardcore bands. I think that are doing it. I mean, there's bands we like, uh, it's been gouge away. Um, they kind of, again, I don't know if they identify as a hardcore band, but it is hardcore. It's aggressive music and definitively doesn't sound like anything else. You know, uh, know. section hate, they got a new record coming out that I, I don't know if I'm supposed to have heard it, but I heard it oh. and it sounds insane like it like actually like it sounds like everything i love about hardcore like smashed into one thing and then played way faster really <laughs> yeah uh i feel like a lot of times the hardcore is shying away from the speed lately oh they definitely play very fast and oh that's good i think people are gonna love that shit i was saying uh i think mike do you know mike maxi mike the singer yeah i think he's like one of my favorite front men and he's always done bands and i feel like it's almost like a, a curse with him almost when his bands kind of start popping off they like stop you know what i mean like like something happens and they don't perform anymore oh, and yeah i think this record's coming out and maybe COVID is the the continuation of of that curse oh, but assuming I was thinking that, that like how many bands that could have blew up during this time and then just be called the quits before they even got started you know Oh yeah, dude. We did, and uh, this is an example too. We did an LP for this band called Bib on Popwick, mm. and the record's awesome, and it, the reception was so good. And they played, you know, a handful of shows, and I'm like, it was like on the East Coast, and I think in a little in the Midwest, and like I'm just seeing photos and videos and stuff. But it was all like crazy atmosphere, packed out, people going crazy, and I'm like, dude, I can't wait to see this in person. And then that isn't happening at least on this record you know and i feel so bad for them like they had their like they did it like they like made the fattest record they played all the cards right they worked hard they had to do one more thing go out there and put in people's faces and they don't get to they they didn't get that opportunity that sucks you know right now my you you the exec for pop wig and me i got a project uh surf rock and uh, maybe you could put it out for me it's called richie d and the scooters <laughs> I like the name off top. Oh, the name just... is dope, right? <laughs> we can make it off that name alone. Yeah, that's funny. Richie Dean, the Scooters. That's good. <laughs> I wonder who the Scooters would be. I got to get the right looking dudes in that band, you know? Yeah, they got to look. You know who could? You know who could pull that look off? 
Little Nick from Atlanta. Little Nick. I was going to say Zach. Zach. Oh, that's more or less like, you know, now you're trying to get a pretty band. Listen, I don't want no competition in the band, you know. He's saying Surf Rock. He got that. That the girls got to be looking at the front man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want them yeah, looking true. back at Zach, the bass player, with them little blue eyes he got. So you're saying they won't look at Nick as you're telling yeah, me about Nick, Nick? Nick is like, you know, it's like having a, a monkey on the stage with me. <laughs> no, no. It's fun. You know, they'll, they'll look at him for fun, but, not. you know, that's where it ends. I hope you don't hear this, man. Nick Gay, <laughs> for people that don't know, our friend Nick that we're talking about, he's an ET expert. If you, eat, if you Google ET Museum – on uh youtube you'll see nick and a bunch of other stuff he he used to do mock rides through brooklyn with his friends and et in the basket and he actually had a, a museum of all et stuff did you know that yeah i knew that i feel like he's oh, got to be the if you search for it he has to be the only thing that comes up like nobody he, has competing he's ET. the worldwide et authority uh, authority on, on the topic damn and E.T. is dope. I like E.T. It was cool. Do you remember that scene when E.T. was under the bridge, like all gray looking, cracked out when he was dying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually just why. watched it like for the first time fully. I've only seen like pieces of it. And then like maybe, like six months ago, I was like, man, I got to sit down and watch E.T. What it's a really think? good movie. It is cool, It's right? crazy, yeah. yeah. Yo, how good was that little kid as, a, as an actor, right? Like, Yeah, very good. Yeah. Talking about, um, what's her name? Drew Barrymore. Yeah, she killed it. She's good. She's crying and shit, E.T. All right, homie, listen, I know you got to take a crap. You probably had to take a crap now for the last because I, cause I know how you get up in the morning, what you got to do. So, yeah, it's my morning right now. So, that's yeah, my next I, step. I appreciate you talking, though, man. And uh, hey, we'll get up soon. You. Anything you want to you say uh, uh, before you go or not? Uh, you know, just it's, it's a crazy time and nobody really knows what's, what's going to happen next. And, you know, money is a scary thing. But the one thing we can all do is just. Be kind to each other and listen and extend a hand to a friend that might need to talk. Yeah, for sure. Man. A lot of that right now. But uh, all right, man, I'm going to let you go. Do your thing. I appreciate talking to you, though. I'll, all right, I'll appreciate you. All right, homie. Peace. All right, peace. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker. <laughs>